Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. I am so excited about this. I, I don't have the opportunity. Let me tell you what I cannot do. I cannot talk to Larry, Curly, or Moe. I'm talking about the Three Stooges because they've all been gone for a long time, especially Curly, who died so early. But I'll tell you something about Curly, and it's been bouncing around the Internet. Supposedly, this is the story, he has rescued or had rescued in his life like a thousand, more than a thousand dogs. Some say thousands. Is that possible? Well, I have found this guy, Bradley Server. He is Curly's grandson. And I am so excited about this opportunity because Curly, I think one of the great comedians of all time, uh, will also talk about our new kitten. I will talk about Groucho. There we go. Comedy again. Groucho the kitten and how you can find Groucho on TikTok. So there I was at a luncheon for Rainbow Animal Assisted Therapy celebrating volunteers. And my wife is a volunteer there. And at our table was Pam Osborne, who is the author of A Dog Takes a Bite Out of Alzheimer's. Pam, what motivated you to write this book? My mother had Alzheimer's. And I was doing animal-assisted therapy with my dog, Rufus, and we were visiting her and found that she did everything for Rufus that she wouldn't do for anybody else. What do you mean? And I I thought we were on to her. She was doing some physical therapy, some functional fitness, and she had to do exercises. And she she wasn't very uh, happy about doing them. She was very reluctant. And I sat Rufus down because Rufus and I have been an animal-assisted therapy team for about 10 years by then, and I sat him down, and and when she sat down, he sat down. And then when she stood up, he stood up. (laughs) And pretty soon, it became a game to her, and she really enjoyed it. And then we added some other things to it. She would give him commands, sit and stand, which also helped her speech. And so it just, when I watched that, a light bulb went out. And I said, I need to find out more about animal-assisted therapy helping Alzheimer's patients. And there wasn't anything out there. There wasn't any information. So I decided I was going to write the book myself. So I and did. What did you learn? What did I learn? Well, I, I mean, Rufus, I learned... Rufus wasn't alone. I mean, there are lots of dogs that uh, do connect. Uh, yes. So what, yes. what did you learn about all this? I suppose I could ask very specifically how it is that dogs are able to do this, but I'm not sure anyone can answer that. No, unless we ask them. I'm, you know, I, I have seen uh, from my work with, with, the, with the therapy group and with Rainbow Animal Assisted Therapy, uh, Rufus isn't the only one. I mean, I, I've worked with many other dogs, with other teams, and they have this, that effect on people. People seem they respond to them. We've we've done some studies. They did a study at Good Sam Hospital where we we started working, and about lowering blood pressure for people. And it was all the dogs, all the all of them did it. And I was I was amazed. It's almost to me, it's almost a mystery how the dogs connect. They just make the connection. And they also, if you, when we would go into a room, for instance, at Good Sam Hospital, uh, Rufus could pick out the patient, if everyone was sitting in a circle and, and there was one of the patients with a family, he would go and sit on that patient's feet. The and one, the, the patient that needed it most? The patient that, that needed the most, right, right. 
But I don't think he was the only one. I think the other dogs did that, too. It's it's amazing. I, I always call it, it's the miracle. <laughs> it is a miracle, but it's kind of not. It's what dogs are somehow intuitively. Not every right. dog, but many dogs is what they're all about. Mm-hmm. So the question I have is, let me back up. I suppose there are some people that may listen to this and say, oh, someone has Alzheimer's disease, having a dog? Uh, come in, period. That can't be helpful. So is there oh, science to demonstrate everything you're saying? There is. There have been, there have been many studies, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the scientist or the doctor, but I have read there, there are articles about how the, the effect of the dog on a person with Alzheimer's. Um, they just become, they're motivated to do things. And I, I have written about what I have observed and with, with my work over at Villa St. Benedict with the, in the Alzheimer's unit. And uh, as soon as the dog comes in, people seem to perk up. And there are people there, as, as if anyone's familiar with Alzheimer's and people who have Alzheimer's, sometimes they aren't so alert, and, so, and there are some people who are nonverbal. And what I found that when I would come in and we would do we would do what I call, you know, our, our therapy skills with them, um, they just reacted. It was unbelievable. We had a person who, um, who was nonverbal, and I thought, well, I'm going to bring Rufus's book. He has a, a little, like a children's book. And I, I thought, well, maybe they could read it out loud because it was very simple. And I asked, so who would like to read it out loud? And the one person who was nonverbal was the one who volunteered to read. And she took the book from me and read it out loud, and it's the first time I heard her speak. Yeah, I mean, so, I've, I've heard these sorts of stories, too. And, so you know, powerful. And, yeah, it is powerful because medical professionals who are just standing right there are now, mm-hmm. oh, I believe it's amazing. And it's amazing, but not. I mean, that's kind of like how mm-hmm. dogs reach people. Right. In ways that we don't exactly understand, but it does happen. So the point isn't that you're going to walk into a room and with your wonderful dog, Rufus, or other dogs who do this and cure the person with Alzheimer's. But if you can improve their day, if you can mm-hmm. improve their quality of life, and even motivate them to physically do things they were not previously doing, I suspect that is what it's all about. You're absolutely right. And, you know, we would come in sometimes, we, we have a certain time we would come in, and sometimes there were people from the fitness center who were up there doing, doing exercises and activities with them, and there would be people sitting in the circle who aren't participating. But if I, for instance, I, and I have a picture of it in the book, of they, were, they had cones in front of them, and one of them... They, one of the exercises was to keep alternating feet to touch the cone. And some people were just standing and sitting there, and they were not doing anything. So I took Rufus over there, and I, t- I had taught Rufus how to put his paw on the cone. Hmm. And then when they saw Rufus doing it, they would do it. And it, again, another, another thing that just, it just blew me away. I was, I was surprised. And, and, and everybody wanted to do it with Rufus. So... I want to also talk about the dog's perspective a little bit. I mean, this is for the right dogs. First of all, not every dog can do this, but for the right dogs, it's got to be enjoyable. But at the same time, it is work, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we don't, we do not work for long periods of time. Um, You know, we don't work for more than 45 minutes or an hour. And probably we only, we only worked about once a week. 
every now and again we would do a second program because we had done other programs with other populations and uh it was a library program where rufus didn't have to do too much but sit Mm -hmm. but still you know he's still having to work and so um you never want to overwork your dog you need to watch you know to make sure he's not you know he's not being overworked and i just happened to have he rufus is a, it was a Jack Russell Terrier, and he had a lot of energy, and he just happened to be able to do these things, and he was he was good at it, and he seemed to enjoy it. And if you know, if I thought that he wasn't enjoying it, or if we were, it was getting longer, we just wouldn't stay. We just wouldn't, you know, we would just end the program. Well, Pam Osborne is your name. The name of the book is "A Dog Takes a Bite." Out of Alzheimer's. Okay, well, thank you for the work that you do, the work that you did do and continue to do with Rainbow Animal Assisted Therapy, Chicago's premier animal assisted therapy organization. And they're always looking for dogs. The right, the <laughs> right dogs. dogs. Volunteers, right. Yep. Pam, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve. His name is Bradley Server. You may not know his name, but you might know these names. Larry, Curly, and Moe. We're talking about the Three Stooges. And, in fact, you are, Bradley, the grandson of Curly Howard. Prove it. Let me hear you. Whoop, 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 whoop. Sweetly. <laughs> Who else could do that except with the grandson of the great Curly Howard? <laughs> and I love your YouTube page, by the way. We'll talk about that in a moment. So why are, you on, why are you on a pet show it is because there were reports that Curly Howard, Curly of the Three Stooges, rescued dogs and rescued in his lifetime hundreds of dogs. So was he a, a dog rescuer? He was. You know, in, in some publications or in some stories, they, they had it up to like thousands of dogs, which I think uh, was a stretch. But he, he absolutely loved, he loved animals, but he especially loved dogs. And... Uh, uh, they, uh, him and my uh, grandmother, they had a few dogs, but what would happen is when he was on the road, and he was on the road quite a bit, he would uh, run across, uh, whether he was at the, the lots or when they were going to the hotels, he would see stray dogs, and if, uh, you know, they couldn't find an owner, he would he would bring them back, uh, back to uh, California or wherever they were at or wherever they were filming, and then he would find homes for them. So he, uh, he certainly... He didn't keep them, I know that, because uh, I would have heard stories from my mom and my grandmother about uh, uh, what size uh, yard you would need for, you know, 5,000 dogs. So, <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not 5,000 dogs. Yeah. And what you're saying is those reports are an exaggeration. But what isn't is his love for dogs and the fact that before rescues, quote-unquote, were around, he did. He was like a one-man rescue, and he would adopt out to people who had maybe some money and some means in Hollywood. Uh, what was he like, and why do you think he had such an affinity to dogs? Um. Well, of course, I, I was I was born in '65, and he died in '51, '52. So I didn't meet him, but I do know uh, from stories uh, from uh, my mom, of course, and then also grandmother and other relatives you know he was a very uh uh very different person than what you saw on the screen he was um although he when he when he did go out and he did drink a little bit and he was uh kind of that kind of outgoing guy but when when he was home he was really uh more to himself and he really when he was spending that time it was with is with pets and it was with dogs so he found his 
his his uh, his safe place or his comfort just uh, being in the yard and, and playing with the dogs and how wonderful I mean to be rescued by Curly Howard and, and to have met him as a as a as a as a dog I mean I, I didn't get to meet him so I'm I'm jealous of those those dogs that did get rescued and <laughs> I think the the fun they had and the the you know Curly's in Curly's mannerism you see his boyish charm and you just see that little boy that's playing with his dog and you see Curly playing with his dog and I think it's I think it's one and the same I'm glad you drew that picture for us because that's the picture in my mind that I'm I'm thinking about. And the apple doesn't fall far from the grandfather's tree or something like that because you rescue yeah, yeah, because you rescue dogs as well, correct? Yeah. Well, actually, we've we've I've been a, a dog lover and I've always owned dogs, and um, we usually have uh, between two and three dogs at, at all at all times. And it was it was actually cats that we uh, we rescued a cat, but we actually, we went rescued a cat at a rescue, but we actually rescued a cat that actually we were at a friend's house and we were in the backyard and we heard some noise and it sounded like there was some type of muffled kitten crying. Oh. And we looked, we looked over the wall and we couldn't see anything but a bunch of wheelbarrows and stuff. And my wife was determined to find out what that sound was. And sure enough, she was like, I'm going over that wall. Uh, no one was home. And she, we so we went over the wall. We started uh, pulling all these things um, out from underneath uh, where we were hearing the sound. And there was what is now uh, our 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 little boy Bo, a little tiny kitten, so malnutritioned and left left basically to die. It was under this wheelbarrow, oh. and uh, we brought we brought him home. My wife, uh, uh, you know, immediately we we went online how to nurse nurse them, get them um, healthy, and then, of course, we work, so we couldn't be, that that small of a cat needs to have, you know, supervision pretty much all day, so we sent it to a, a lady that rescues, and then at the same time, she had rescued a cat named Fern, which was the same age, so we couldn't, uh, they were like brother and sister at that point, so we took them both home, so we, Good for we, you. Rescued, we rescued both of them. Tell me about the YouTube page, how do people find it? Uh, on YouTube, my uh, channel is Curly's Grandson, and we do a lot of fun uh, slapstick-type videos, and we have a lot of new content coming. And then, of course, uh, the fans can find me on uh, you, uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I, all right, I have. Uh, so prove one more time, beyond doubt, that you are Curly's grandson. Hey, leave me alone. Hey, that's my dog, too. I love dogs. I love cats. I love everybody, because I'm Curly G. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. There's Curly's grandson. Not every radio show gets this interview. About a month or so ago, uh, actually, let me back up a little bit. It was probably five or six weeks ago. We lost our nearly 20-year-old cat named Roxy. And, uh, of course, that was a very sad moment and a very sad day for myself and my wife, Robin. Very sad days to follow. Uh, 20 years old, right? Uh, we hadn't had a kitten or a puppy in our life in a very long time. So we thought, okay, let's do it. Let's get a kitten. So we did. And and I thought I'd name that kitten Barney Fife. But believe it or not, and this is shocking to me, people didn't know who Barney Fife was. Come on, really? Andy Griffith Show. Don Knotts. How can people not know? And they thought, uh, you, you're getting a 
purple cat? Because they're thinking the purple dinosaur Barney, which never occurred to me or my wife. So this little kitten has a mustache, one that isn't from chocolate milk, cannot be wiped away. It's a, it looks like a mustache. So we thought, Groucho, that's the name of this kitten. And then I thought, you know, people had been encouraging me for a long time to go on TikTok. So now Groucho, not me, Groucho has a TikTok page, which I hope you check out. It's Groucho underscore the funny cat. Groucho underscore the funny cat. Check us out, or may I say check Groucho out. You bet your life. It's a great TikTok page. Now, if you have a dog or a cat fearful of fireworks, 4th of July just around the corner, well, what is this about, first of all? Why are so many pets afraid of a sudden, loud, unexpected sound? Wouldn't you be? I mean, if you didn't know what fireworks were all about, and you heard this bang, boom, ooh, you wouldn't be saying, ooh, ah, ah. You'd be running for the hills. It's adaptive. You know, so either you hide or you run from it. And you're naturally afraid of what you don't understand. And remember, our pets here so much better than we do. And that's part of the deal, too. And if you live near, if you happen to live near where fireworks are, they may even feel the vibrations. They may even smell the smoke of the fireworks, which is something they don't necessarily typically feel or smell on a daily basis. So all of that is scary. Now is the time to begin to do something about it. And you can at least try to desensitize and countercondition. That's the fancy word for what I'm about to describe. So go to YouTube or anywhere else you have and play Sounds of Fireworks. Begin at a very low volume so you can barely hear it. And as you're doing that, simultaneously play with your dog or cat a dog with a squeaky toy, whatever your dog likes, tennis ball, with a cat with an interactive cat toy, uh, such as a fishing pole type toy with feathers or fabric at the end, and distract. Because our dogs and cats are like guys. They can't multitask. They can't be afraid at the same time that they're having a good time. You might feed some treats at the same time. And over time, pump up the volume. Make it louder and louder and louder until that... now. Will that absolutely work and do the trick for sure? Maybe, maybe not. But I will tell you, it's, it's worth the try to do it. The, the other thing you should do is, so you, if you know you have a pet, because that pet in past years has been afraid, that pet this year is going to be afraid too. In fact, an argument can be made that it gets worse over time. So the pet that was a little afraid five years ago was more afraid four years ago, even more afraid three years ago, even more afraid two years ago, and now is going to be terrified. So knowing that, there are some products out there that can help, some nutritional supplements. Uh, for example, like Zilkeen, the official calming supplement of July 4th, I think. MyHappyPets.com for more information about that, and that is just one choice. There's a nutritional supplement called Calming Care from Purina. Uh, now, if you begin to add that, you just sprinkle it on your dog or cat's food the day before. No, but if you begin doing it now, again, doing a combination of all these things may help a little bit. Now, when the fireworks actually happen, of course, close the windows, the blinds, if there's any possibility of seeing reflections of fireworks. Pump up the music, or better yet, a certain talk radio station, and distract with a background sound. And, 
You know, they call it, old-time dog trainers call it jollying, giving the dog something or cat something else to do. So a food puzzle, for example. I have more on my website as well, and that's stevedale.tv. We'll talk to you bright and early next week right here.